this week has been a bad week for Biden and America. 20 years of enormous sacrifices to try to prepare the Afghan army to sustain their independence fell flat this week. The Taliban rooted the Afghan army and quickly overran the country. Now, U.S. citizens are stuck in a country controlled by terrorists. What on earth happened? Before we can understand the embarrassment of what happened this week, we have to first understand why we were even in Afghanistan in the first place. It all started in the late 90s, when Afghanistan was controlled at that time by the Taliban, a repressive, totalitarian, terrorist Islamic organization. Then, in 2001, 9-11 happened, which was the greatest terror event to ever happen on American soil. We discovered it was planned by Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda, which was receiving support from the Taliban, and the attack itself was planned from inside Afghanistan. We asked the Taliban to give us Osama bin Laden so that he could be brought to justice, but they refused. This resulted in us sending troops over in early October 2001, and we removed the Taliban from power in just a few months. The Taliban government quickly crumbled and then fled to the mountains of Afghanistan and then into Pakistan, where they continued to use guerrilla-style terrorism to try to undermine the U.S. and NATO-backed Afghan government. Since then, the U.S. was able to find and kill Osama bin Laden, who was actually hiding in a compound in Pakistan at the time, create a shaky democracy in Afghanistan, and keep the Taliban out of power. We were able to keep peace for about 20 years and had always planned on training the Afghans to be able to fend off the Taliban themselves. And we worked on creating a stable national government that would be able to handle the pressures associated with running such a complex state. America began considering withdrawing troops from Afghanistan in earnest under Obama. Even though he sent a surge of troops in 2009, he began holding peace talks with the Taliban in 2011, even though they didn't get anywhere. Obama's original plan was for, was for the removal of all troops by 2014, which ended up changing. The sentiment of withdrawal was continued by his predecessor, former President Donald Trump, who originally planned to keep troops in Afghanistan, but eventually changed his mind and created a peace deal with the Taliban to get all troops out by May 2021. President Trump also only left about 2,500 troops in Afghanistan at the end of his presidency, which was down from about 15,000. Now we have President Biden in office. He extended the deadline for troop removal to September 11th, 2021, the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. But in the sudden move, he tried to get all the troops out in August, leading to an unorganized, chaotic, and embarrassing withdrawal. Well, now that you have the too-long-didn't-read version of the war in Afghanistan, that brings us up to present day. To date, we have lost about 2,500 servicemen and women with another 3,800 contractors. I just want to take a brief pause and thank you all for your service. You were and are America's finest. The war also cost about $2 trillion. All of that sacrifice was made, so an inept houseplant of a president can botch a withdrawal and lose 20 years of work in about 10 days. I'm not kidding you. According to CNBC, it took the Taliban 10 days to completely take over the country. According to the article, most, quote, experts, and I use that term extremely loosely, expected Kabul, the capital of Afghanistan, to fall in 90 days. Instead, it fell in about one-tenth of the time. By August 15th, the Taliban was sitting in the presidential palace in Kabul, ready to retake the country. In 20 years, we ended in the exact same spot we started with, with Taliban control of Afghanistan. It's truly humiliating. 
Biden began this horrible withdrawal in April when he said that he would be withdrawing all troops from Afghanistan by September 11th. What he left out of his address to the public, however, was that he would do it without holding the Taliban to their end of the peace deal. The invigorated Taliban increased their attacks on Afghan security forces and civilians as we began to pr prepare to withdraw. Instead of pushing back and using force to crush the Taliban terrorists, Biden chose to be pushed over and crushed by a tidal wave of insurgents. What is particularly humiliating about all this is how wrong Joe Biden and some of his members of our Department of Defense were. In a July pr press conference, Joe Biden defended the strength of the Afghan Defense Force and his faith that this would not be like the withdrawal from Saigon during the Vietnam War. Here are the president's remarks in July. Is the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Because you have the Afghan troops at 300,000, well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world, and an air force against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable. Mr. President, thank you very much. Your own intelligence community has assessed that the Afghan government will likely collapse. That is not true. Is it, can you please clarify what they have told you about whether that will happen or not? That is not true. They, so, did, not, they didn't, did not reach that conclusion. So what is the level of confidence that they have that it will not collapse? The Afghan government and leadership has to come together. They clearly have the capacity to sustain the government in place. Do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling... None whatsoever. Zero. What you had is you had entire brigades breaking through the gates of our embassy. Six, if I'm not mistaken. The Taliban is not the, South, the North Vietnamese army. They're not, they're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comfortable. So the question now is, where do they go from here? That, the jury is still out. But the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. Looking back at Joe Biden's narcissistic overconfidence in this situation truly makes me sick. Joe, in case you missed it, your 300,000-member Afghan army, which was, in your own words, equipped just as well as any army in the world, fell to these 75,000 Taliban militants in only 10 days. And many of these soldiers just flat out surrendered, leaving behind guns, supplies, Humvees, and drones that are now securely in the hands of the Taliban. Besides me just ranting about Joe Biden, I do want to take a little side note just to thank our brave men and women in our armed forces. 2,500 of you could do what an Afghan army of 300,000 couldn't. 2,500 of you kept the Taliban away for years. You caused them to live in fear. We can never thank you enough for your service. And this is a clear example of how dominant the U.S. military is when the beast is unleashed. Unfortunately, you've been muzzled by an administration that does not value you, but rather sees you as racists rather than heroes. The president may not be thankful for you guys, but we sure are. Secondly, and returning the focus back to Joe Biden, Joe, how did you not know that your experts thought Afghanistan was going to collapse? The CNBC article suggested that Kabul would fall within 90 days, according to these, quote, experts. 
How did you not know that? But I actually, I actually think you did know that. You were just hoping it wouldn't happen while American citizens were trapped over there. You were just hoping you could turn tail and run before the Taliban overran the Afghan government. I bet you plan to get Americans out and just ignore Afghanistan as it crumbled. But you weren't so lucky, you smug son of a gun. Your idiocy costs lives. It costs the lives of, of Americans who are still trapped in Afghanistan. And it will cost unknown lives of innocent Afghans who helped us try to create a better Afghanistan. Your position disgusts me. And finally, finally this blubbering buffoon says it won't be like Saigon. We won't have people getting airlifted off the embassy. Quick fact check, that's false. There's been a picture circling around the internet comparing the two, and it is just so similar it's sad. Of course, this picture will be linked in our substack. But Joe, how did you not know? Or, I guess the real question here is, Joe, did you just not care? Another example of this administration's idiocy is with General Mark Milley, the Marxist racist himself supported Biden's initial assessment when he said, quote, the Afghan security forces have the capacity to, su to sufficiently fight and defend their country, and we will continue to support the Afghan security forces where necessary in accordance with the guidance from the President and the Secretary of Defense. The future of Afghanistan is squarely in the hands of the Afghan people, and there are a range of possible outcomes of Afga in Afghanistan, and I want to emphasize repeatedly, and I've said this before, a negative outcome, a Taliban automatic military takeover, is not a foregone conclusion. We will continue to monitor the situation closely and make adjustments as necessary. And in response to that, I say, General Milley, Afghanistan fell within 10 days. Maybe you shouldn't have spent as much time reading Marx and Lenin, and maybe you should have spent a little less time at the White Rage Seminar, and you should have spent more time, quote, monitoring the situation to make a more accurate judgment. Maybe you could have done your job and protected the 10 to 15,000 Americans still trapped in Afghanistan. I mean, I'm just sorry. I'm so sorry. This administration's just sheer idiocy is, is upsetting. Biden spoke again on the 16th of August to try to console a nation that was shook by the quickness with which 20 years of work was unraveled. He started the blame game, of course. First, he blamed Trump. He said, quote, When I came to office, I inherited a deal that President Trump negotiated with the Taliban. Under this agreement, U.S. forces would be out of Afghanistan by May 1st, 2021, just a little over three months after I took office. He continues, U.S. forces had already drawn down during Trump's administration from roughly 15,500 American forces to 2,500 troops in the country, and the Taliban was at its strongest militarily since 2001. First, let me just say, I personally think Trump's, quote, peace deal, and I use that wording very lightly because it just didn't bring peace. I believe it was a bad idea. I'm sure you all remember the classic movie line from almost any action movie where it says, quote, we don't negotiate with terrorists. Yet Trump felt a terrorist organization that wants to see the entire West destroyed is somehow trustworthy. It was a bad deal because the Taliban never had any intention of being a responsible global government. They, like Iran and Pakistan, will continue to be aggressive towards the U.S. and the West while continually asking for more money and resources. And the West always stupidly concedes to these people while we hold all the advantages. We could, as historically shown, easily sweep all three countries off the map. See how we handled Iraq 
Afghanistan when we took rid of the Taliban the first time and how we eradicated ISIS. Yet, we continue to believe that if we concede more, then they will suddenly change their behavior and become responsible. But in reality, we're only rewarding their bad behavior. It's like pre-World War II with Hitler. Europe kept trying to appease him, but you can never appease evil states and evil people. Iran, the Taliban, and Pakistan would never be satisfied until the West was completely subjugated to them. And even still, they would still be corrupt and repressive. We have to start using the cards that we have, the upper hand that we have, to force these countries, and particularly the Taliban, to comply. It's sad, but, but it's true. But getting back on track, such a response by President Biden and blaming former President Trump is very disingenuous. Biden is just pretending that he had to abide by Trump's peace deal. Since, ever, since he took office, Biden has been constantly undercutting the former president's policies. Just some examples are the cessation of the border wall, Biden stopped Trump's policy that required illegal, illegal immigrants to be held in Mexico, Biden ended the 1776 Commission, he rejoined the Paris Climate Agreement, and he went back to the failed Iran deal. Not only that, but Biden has already, he already extended the deadline for troop removal once. He extended it from May 1st to September 11th. Biden clearly had no qualms about changing the deal or any other policy Trump made. And if the Taliban was truly the strongest it had ever been since 2001, why on earth would you withdraw? Biden clearly doesn't mind sending in more troops to Afghanistan. He just sent another 5,000 soldiers to help evacuate the embassy and restore control of the Kabul airport. But of course, Biden will never answer these questions. But he does say, he does say that he, quote, squarely stands behind his decision. After blaming Trump, Trump uh, Biden turns to the Afghan government. He says, quote, Afghanistan's political leaders gave up and fled the country. The Afghan military collapsed, sometimes without trying to fight. Then he seamlessly transitions into critiquing the Afghan military, where he says, quote, American troops cannot and should not be fighting in a war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight for themselves. We spent over a trillion dollars. We trained and equipped an Afghan military force of some 300,000 strong, incredibly well-equipped, a force larger in size than the militaries of many of our NATO allies, he says elsewhere in his speech. We gave them every chance to determine their own future. What we could not provide for them was the will to fight for that future. Ouch. And then finally he says, and here's what I believe to my core. It is wrong to order American troops to step up when Afghanistan's own armed forces would not. If the political leaders of Afghanistan were unable to come together for the good of their people, unable to negotiate for the future of their country when the chips were down, they would have never have done so while the US troops remained in Afghanistan bearing the brunt of the fighting for them. He also says later in his speech, if, if anything, the developments of the past week reinforced that ending the US military involvement in Afghanistan now was the right decision, which I think is truly a cold and disgusting way to look at what's happening in Afghanistan. All of this came from our most, quote, empathetic, nice tweeting, restore order Joe Biden. Afghans are literally clinging to planes that are trying to take off to escape Afghanistan. The videos are just heart-wrenching. First, you can see them try to block a plane from taking off. And you can see pictures of people falling from planes after they've taken off. They chose death over the repressive Islamist regime. Plus, 
The Taliban is now going around and killing those that worked with the United States, and we're doing nothing about it. What kind of message does that send to our allies around the world? It, it can't be a good one, considering Joe Biden turned and fled after that press conference and went back to Camp David to resume his vacation. And even Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Jen Circleback Psaki was also unavailable for comments this week due to being on vacation. So it's great to see that such a responsible president, president is really stepping up when the times demand of him and uh, taking charge and taking the blame. Oh wait, no he's not. He's passing the blame to everyone else but him and then turning and going on vacation. If you read or heard the whole speech, there's something that you'll notice. Biden never blames himself, nor does he ever blame the Taliban. You know, the terrorist organization that's ravaging the country we spent years trying to rebuild. It's just, it's crazy. He has completely lost control. So ultimately, why does this matter? I can hear some of you saying, Big Red, so what? It's a country halfway around the world. Why does it matter what happens there? We can't be the global police force. And I would completely agree with you on that. We, we can't be. However, the reason we went to Afghanistan in the first place was because it was a haven for terrorists under the Taliban, and now the Taliban's in control again. I'm sure it's only a matter of time until the Taliban start harboring terrorists again, and you can bet that they're gonna target us again. So first off, it matters because terrorism knows no national boundaries. The terrorists grown in Afghanistan will be a new generation that will target America and the West. And the worst part is, is that we had it under control. We had the Taliban under our thumb. So sure, I mean, we may have been the only reason the Afghan government lasted this long. We may have been their quote, life support, but at least we kept the Taliban at bay and kept that area from growing more international terrorists. But another reason why this is important is that it shows our enemies that we are weak and unable to protect our interests abroad. China, which is one of our major international competitors, had this to say about the disaster in Afghanistan. They said, quote, the disaster declared the complete failure of U.S. intent to reshape Afghanistan. In the meantime, the, US, the U.S.'s desperate withdrawal plan shows the unreliability of the U.S.'s commitment to its allies. When its interests require it to abandon its allies, Washington will not hesitate to find every excuse to do so. And then China is trying to position itself to be a new global force here. Except how America's policies are based around freedom and democracy and self-governance, China's model is obviously communist subjugation. And Russia, another major competitor against the West, said this about the fall of Afghanistan. It, it described it as, quote, NATO's biggest failure and a political and humanitarian catastrophe. As what you remember, NATO was formed to counter the USSR's international influence, so Russia loves seeing NATO fail. Russia would also love the opportunity to replace NATO as, a sec as security for other nations. But, like China, Russia wants to create servant states to rebuild the lost glory of the USSR rather than allow countries to be independent and have self-governance. Finally, it matters because liberty died in Afghanistan. In 10 days, 20 years of liberty was erased and replaced by a regime that believes women need to stay at home and shouldn't be educated. Who believe in a strict Sharia law that deprives women of rights. Who also kill religious and political minorities because they won't forcibly convert to Islam. Looking back on this, it makes the sacrifices of our service men and women seem pointless. But I would argue that they weren't. 
when you thank servicemen and women that your sacrifices were pointless, I would just point you to this, that you showed a generation of Afghans what liberty was like. Under your, under your duty and under your work, the literacy rate for young women rose from 5% to 37%. That's astounding. That girl who was previously unable to get an education under the Taliban was able to learn to read, and she wasn't locked up at home, completely subjugated to her husband. Hopefully, our actions over there planted a seed in the hearts of some of the Afghan people, and a desire for liberty might eventually come to fruition later. Don't let those suits in Washington belittle your sacrifice. And I just want to say thank you again for your sacrifice. See you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Big Red for America show. If you liked it, make sure to share and subscribe. If you want to hear more from our Big Red team, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Getter, and Parler. Thank you for tuning into the show where the opinions are always right and the facts are always cited. See you next week.